got to be no more three more important words in the English language than those three. He has risen. And that's what we're here to do, to celebrate this morning. So we're so glad that you joined us. And if you're watching online, glad you have joined us uh, there as well. There's no doubt that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the most significant event in world history. If Jesus had not been raised from the dead, what in the world are we doing here this morning? I mean, you look all nicely dressed up and, you know, I, I'm all dressed up and no face to go, as they say. But uh, why would we be here? But it is true. Jesus has risen. Um, there's no doubt about it that that is the essence of the Christian faith. It's, it's what separates Christianity from all other world religions. If you think about it, the um, Buddha's tomb is full of Buddha's bones. Muhammad is in the tomb. Confucius is in the tomb. The bones of, of uh, Moses and Abraham have long since turned to dust. But the historical fact is the tomb outside Jerusalem is empty because he has risen. And there is not a shred of evidence that would speak to the contrary. Brilliant minds have wrestled with this. A guy by the name of Thomas Arnold, he was a former chair of modern history department at Oxford University. He was an expert in determining the um, historical facts of, of uh, various historical events. And this is what he wrote. Thousands and tens of thousands of persons have gone through the evidence of the resurrection piece by piece, as carefully as every judge summing up a most important cause. I have myself done it many times. I've been used for many years to study the histories of other times and to examine and weigh the evidence of those who have written about them. And I know of no one fact in the history of mankind which has proved better and fuller evidence of every sort than the great sign which God has given us that Christ died and he rose from the dead. It's a famous lawyer by the name of Sir Lionel Lucku. He is... Uh, was in the Guinness Book of World Records for having the most successful, 245 successful uh, defenses on murder cases, twice knighted by the Queen Elizabeth. Uh, not a Christian, uh, but a Christian friend of his challenged him to consider the evidence for the resurrection. He did, and this was his conclusion. I say unequivocally that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is so overwhelming that it compels acceptance by proof which leaves absolutely no room for doubt. Brilliant minds have wrestled with this and come to that same conclusion. The um, brilliant apologist, uh, William Lane Craig, sums it up nicely when he said, when you use the ordinary canons of historical assessment, the best explanation for the facts is that God raised Jesus from the dead, period. Now, the historical evidence, we, we could spend hours talking about that. I mean, it's there. There's no doubt about it. But I think it's the impact of those three little words on people's lives that is so powerful. He has risen. And what that has done for people down through the centuries of time. We've been studying the book of Acts here at Fellowship Bible Church. And uh, the opening verses of the book of Acts say this. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. And he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Now, can you imagine what his followers must have felt like and what they must have been experiencing when they saw him or heard of him hanging on a Roman 
uh, execution cross, their life must have just absolutely dissolved. I mean, their only hope for life on this earth, their only hope for life in the coming world, rested on that Jesus was who he claimed to be. And now he's dead. But can you imagine the joy that flooded their soul when, when three days later they get word he's alive and he actually showed himself to them by many, as it says, convincing proofs? This was a, a beaten, dejected band of followers, lost souls. And then, then three days later they become a, a, a dynamo, a, a, an army of witnesses for a resurrected Jesus. Because of three little words, he has risen. Take the Apostle Peter. I mean, this is a guy who just three days earlier, or a few days earlier, just maybe a day earlier, was um, denying that he ever knew Jesus, warming himself by a fire. If you remember the story, and a little slave girl comes up to him and says, aren't you one of his followers? And he cursed, and he swore, and he denied that he ever knew him. And then he met Jesus, the resurrected Jesus. And in Acts chapter 2, we read his sermon. And he said, men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held by its power. Where did this come from? He's denying him just a few hours before. Or the very next chapter, uh, the boldness of Peter. He said, you disowned the holy and righteous one. You asked for a murderer to be released to you. You killed the author of life. But God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses to this. We put our hands in his nail print hands. We stuck our fist in his side. We are witnesses to this, the boldness of Peter. Chapter 10, uh, Peter is face-to-face with uh, the arch enemies of the Jews, the Romans. He's face-to-face with a Roman centurion. And this is what Peter said. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen by us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. Now, what happened? Why this transformation? Three little words. He has risen. Last week, if you were here at Fellowship Bible Church, we're going through the book of Acts, and as I said, and last week we were in Acts chapter 12. Great story of, uh, of the apostle Peter who was held in prison by King Herod, and he was about to be executed. And, um, and then he's miraculously released. An angel of the Lord comes, and he escapes and walks past the guards, and he goes to the house of... Uh, of the mother of John Mark, who eventually would write the Gospel of Mark, and he shows himself to the followers of Christ, the Christians that are there that have been praying for him. Well, in that story, there were two men who bore the same name in that chapter 12. Two men. Their name was James. The first James that is mentioned in chapter 12, verse 2, says that he was killed by King Herod. He died at the hand of the sword of King Herod. He was one of the disciples of Jesus, you know, the sons of Zebedee, the sons of, uh, of Thunder, Peter, James, James, and John. Um, he gave his life. He was executed. He was executed for what? 
a myth, a fable, a, a lie that they concocted in the back room somewhere? No, he, he gave his life for truth, for the reality that Jesus has risen. Because James was there. He saw Jesus for 40 days. Jesus was showing convincing proof that he was alive. And James was there. He saw it. He handled Jesus. He ate with him. He drank with him. He hugged him, I'm sure. And he was willing to give his life, not for a myth, not for a lie, not for a fable. He gave his life for truth. The truth of three little words. He has risen. And then there was that other James in the last part of chapter 12 of Acts when Peter tells the believers, now go let James know that I'm released. Go let James know. That's another James. Now this was the James who was a brother of Jesus, a half-brother of Jesus. If there was ever a skeptic in the New Testament, it was James. Um, in fact, it tells us in the gospel accounts that uh, Jesus' family really wanted nothing to do with Jesus. They didn't believe in him. And James was one of those who spoke out against Jesus. In fact, in Mark's account, it says this, Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. And when his family heard about that, that be James, one of his brothers, they went to take charge of him, for they said, He's out of his mind. How did they view Jesus? He was a nutcase. He was an embarrassment to the family. In fact, John's account says this. It says in John's gospel, John's brother said to him, you ought to leave here and go to Judea, for even his own brothers did not believe in him. Just get out of town, Jesus. You, you, you are dragging down the family name. We are absolutely sick of this charade. Just leave town quietly, because they didn't believe in him. He was screwed. But then something happened to the skeptic James. The Apostle Paul records it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. After Jesus rose from the dead, John 15 says that, or 1 Corinthians 15 says that Jesus appeared to Cephas, or Peter, then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, and then he appeared to James, <laughs> the great skeptic. I don't know what that meeting must have looked like, but I'm sure it was fun for Jesus. Like, hey, James, <laughs> I'm here. See that? I'm alive. Convincing proof and convincing evidence. And what happened to James? It transformed his life. He became one of the key leaders in the early church. He was the head of the church in Jerusalem, James, the one who had been the skeptic. How do you account for that? Where, where does that? How does that happen? Three little words. He has risen. The story of a, the, the little Sunday school class on Palm Sunday, five-year-olds. And the teacher asked the little group of kids, so Children, what day is it? And one little girl shot her hand up. Uh, okay, Susie, what, what, what day is it? And she said, it is Palm Sunday. That is fantastic, the teacher said. Wonderful, you got it. Now, what is next Sunday? Boom, Susie's hand went up. It is Easter Sunday, she said. You're right, you've got it. Wonderful, Susie. 
Now, why is next Sunday Easter? Why do we celebrate it? Boom, her hand went up again. And she said, we celebrate Easter because Jesus on the third day rose again. And before the teacher could congratulate her, she quickly added, and if he sees his shadow, he goes in for seven more weeks. <laughs> you know, for many people today, the story of the resurrection is as silly and ludicrous is that little account of that five-year-old girl. To many people, the resurrection is nothing more than a fable, than a myth, than some concocted lie. But to those who encountered the risen Jesus, it was transformative. They were never the same. It had an e eternal impact on their life. Three little words. It's three little words that can change our life. He has risen. And down through the centuries of the last 2,000 years, that's exactly what has happened. Lives have been changed because of those three little words. He has risen. Let me ask you this resurrection morning. Have you encountered the risen Jesus? Have you encountered him? People may laugh at Christianity, it seems like the scoffing and the ridicule is crescendoing even in our day against Christianity. But if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you know those three little words, he has risen, they're life-changing. If you have put your faith in Jesus, if you're here today and you are a born-again follower of Jesus Christ, and you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that when you die, you're going to be in heaven because you've put your trust in Christ and Christ alone. Then what can be said about you is really true. You've changed. You're different. You've been brought to life because of three little words. He has risen. You see, when we celebrate the resurrection, we're not just celebrating a past truth, nor are we celebrating a future hope. We celebrate today a, a present reality, the reality that, that Jesus changes lives because he is alive. He's risen from the dead. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 2 put it this way. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, these are mysterious yet wonderful words, and I don't fully understand them to the totality. But what this is saying is that if we know Jesus as our personal Savior, something radical has taken place in our life. The moment we put our trust in Jesus, it is as if we are so identified with Jesus that when he died, it's like our old self died with him. And when, when he was raised from the dead, in some mysterious way, we were raised up with him. And we were forever changed, transformed because of the power of those three little words, he has risen. Once a person puts their faith in Christ, all bets are off. There is an amazing transformation that takes place within them. They are heaven-bound, and they are forgiven because of Jesus. Paul said, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. 
And as followers of Jesus Christ on this resurrection morning, folks, you know what this should motivate us to? It should motivate us to live out that truth. And here at Fellowship Bible Church, that's what we want to do. That's why we exist. We want to help each other live in light of that truth, that we have died with Christ, we've been raised up with him. We want to help each other understand and live out the reality of the resurrected Jesus in the resurrected you. Because that is true of who we are, to live it out. And the world needs to see that. We can sit down and convince them historically and all the brilliant minds that have have wrestled with this idea of the resurrection. There's not a shred of evidence to the contrary. Jesus has been raised. And we we can debate that and show all the evidence. But you know what impacts people's lives? Is the resurrected Jesus and the resurrected you being lived out. When they see the reality of a resurrected Jesus living his life out through you. But maybe you're here today and you haven't yet understood that concept of God so loved the world and that he gave his only begotten son. Maybe it hasn't clicked yet that on that Good Friday that we celebrated, we were celebrating this truth that that Jesus stepped from his throne of glory and he came into this earth fully humanity, fully divinity. And he came to pay the penalty for our sins. There's not a person who's ever lived on this earth who has the right to enter the presence of a holy God because we're all sinners. We've all done something wrong. And God sets the rules because God has created it all. And he says, you can't come into my presence. But he sent his son to pay for our sins. He died on the cross and then three days later, he rose again so that he could offer a free gift to anyone who would simply receive it. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him doesn't obey the Ten Commandments, tries hard to be a good person, uh, religious, gives so much money to the poor, whatever it might be. No, all the good works we could try to muster will never be enough to satisfy God. But his son did. Jesus paid for our sins. Whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life, a free gift. And the moment we receive that free gift, the Bible tells us that the resurrected Jesus enters our life and we become the resurrected new us, a free gift given to us because of his love for us. On this resurrection morning, I don't know of anything more wonderful to talk about than the fact that God loves us and he sent his son to die for us. And three days later, he rose again. The three most important words of the English language, he has risen. And he wants to provide for you that resurrected life. And he wants to welcome you into his eternal glory. We don't deserve it. Jesus did. He did it all. On this Easter morning, have you trusted Jesus as your personal Savior? Have you settled the issue of eternity? Have those three words impacted your life? He has risen. And he's in the life-changing business. Let's pray. Father in heaven, There is um, such a need today in our world for this truth.
the world desperately needs to understand that we don't have to continue on this road of self-destruction, of despair, of hatred, of oppression. You came into this world to provide a means of escape, a, a means to transform our lives. You paid for our sins, Lord Jesus, and you died again on that cross to secure that completed, finished work on our behalf. And then you rose from the dead. Father, my prayer is that everyone in this room today will have settled the issue of where they will spend eternity by receiving that free gift and begin experiencing the transformative power of Jesus Christ. Father, we're so grateful that unlike other religions, we are celebrating the truth that our Jesus is alive. And it's through him alone that we can experience eternal life. We're grateful. In Jesus' name, amen.